Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And have you ever struggled with anger? Is anger okay? Is it not okay? Have people been angry with you? Is anger scary? There are so many conversations around anger. And so we have a, is it funny to call you, Renault, an anger expert? Is that, (laughs) you probably never thought you were going to be an anger expert. Uh, But we have Renault Purifoy here to help us dissect anger. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm just delighted to be here, so. Well, now you study emotions in general. I know we're going to specialize, you know, specifically talk about anger, but you study emotions in general, correct? Right. I, it's When I was a kid, I was fascinated with animal behavior. We had chickens and rabbits, and I'd get the chickens. I'd train them to get on little boxes and stuff. And, you know, my I, in college, I one of my interests was in theology, which is animal behavior. And then I switched into counseling, uh, you know, switched from animal behavior to human behavior, which I a lot of times joke it was a step down, but, you know. <laughs> That's funny. You know, animals are really easy, you know, and actually people are pretty easy to understand once you kind of understand how they're wired and, and what drives us. I mean, anger is one of our seven basic emotional circuits that we share with all the other animals. That's some of the new research since over the last 20 years has kind of shown that. So it's interesting, you know, because it's this response to threat. We have two basic responses to threat. Anger is one, fear is the other. And when I talk, say anger, I'm using it in a, in a broad sense Irritation is just low-level anger. Rage is high-level anger. So it's where the dial is turned. Same thing with uh, fear. Uh, uh, um, apprehension would be low-level fear. Panic is high-level. So there are two basic core responses we have to threat. Which one we choose to, or would not choose, which one we will respond with has to do with how we assess the threat. If the threat is manageable, we tend to get angry. And if it's unmanageable, we get fearful and want to get away from it. And it's interesting, you, you talked about, is, is anger appropriate? It's kind of like saying, is thirst appropriate? Well, I just had a glass of water 15 minutes ago. Surely my thirst now is not appropriate. <laughs> if, if, if you're feeling angry, it's a message that you're feeling threatened somehow. No more, no less. So you got to do something about that. And I know my listeners mm-hmm. are thinking two things. Some of them are thinking, oh, no, someone was angry with me. Was right. that appropriate? And should I change my behavior to make them not angry? So that's that's one right. avenue people are thinking right now. And the other right. avenue is, oh, good. My anger was appropriate when they threatened me, right? So I know, and I would love for you to address both of those because I, I know that I know that's exactly right. what my listeners went one way and half the other. Well, let's address the appropriateness thing. An emotion is appropriate if uh, anger, if there's a real threat and if you've done something that's going to minimize that threat with the least harm to yourself and others. And so a lot of times we're talking about assertive behavior. And again, it gets into conflict resolution. Whenever you have two people together, you have conflict. I want to go to Chinese food. You want to have tacos. I want to watch this. You want to watch that. So how do we resolve conflict? And you can think of it as kind of a line, a continuum. At one end, you have non-assertive behavior. At the other end, you have assertive behavior, and in the middle is something that we call assertive behavior. And each one of these can be appropriate depending upon the situation and what's going on. So if I'm not more, aggressive or non-assertive is that what you said, and the right. other end is that aggressive, like at right. the at the 
And then so in the middle is assertive. Right. And if you think in yeah. terms of needs, non-assertive behavior means I take care of what you need and want and I ignore myself. Mm-hmm. Aggressive people, it's all about what I want. I don't care about you. The, the middle level is what they call the win-win situation. Let's try to see if we can compromise and both get a piece of the pie. Now, each of these is appropriate depending upon the situation, right? If I'm working for a boss who just is a terrible boss, but I really need the job, I got to pay some bills, I got to you know take care of my family and stuff, I may choose to be non-assertive to some degree around him until I can find that at the same time, figure out some way I can get out of that job and go someplace else. If I'm dealing with a really immature personality, then probably you're going to have to get either aggressive or non-assertive because they're not going to be reasonable with you. I mean, there are a lot of non-negotiators in the world. And so you've got to decide, you know, which direction am I going to go? I mean, if you're working with a two-year-old, you tend to, you know, ramp up a little bit more towards this just assertive because they're not going to be reasonable with you. So I said, we need to go now, put your coat on, right? Uh, Well, what I hear is if I'm at a park, uh-huh. And someone tries to steal my child. Yeah, I, I am not typically an aggressive person, but in yeah. that situation, right. the aggression might be appropriate, right? right. Like I, I would need if someone's going to steal my child, I, exactly. I might need to be exactly, um, exactly. Yes, so, so you see that like with law enforcement. Uh, if right. you're working with uh, uh, people who are, tend to be immature, uh, then they don't understand this reasonableness. That it's all about. For them, aggressive. So you either have to meet them with power, or you need to basically let them have their way. Those are your two options. Uh, I used to run a mental health campaign for teens, and I've actually broken up more fights than one would expect from me, yeah. you know, and, and trying to talk down fights with teenage boys. You know, right. I've actually done that way more often than people will probably assume. Um, and, and the height of irrationality at times, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think the height of irrationality is middle school. And I'm talking about high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Middle school, all those hormones going on. It's a crazy time. I'm raising one. I'm raising, I'm raising a school boy who's, he's not violent, but you know, the, uh, I, I hear, I really, really, really want to have our listeners feel empowered to see the different choices. You you right. used an example about non-aggressive being an appropriate choice or non-assertive being an appropriate choice. Right. Most of the time we want to be in that win-win assertive most, place. In our country, which, you know, most middle-class situations, that works best for you. Again, some countries, you know, you got to be aggressive if you're going to take care of things. Or if I'm living in a dictatorship where bad things happen to me, if I speak up, then you tend to be non-assertive. But we live in a country where we have freedoms, we have rights, you know, and fortunately, most of the people you're going to meet will be reasonable. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. not always. Uh, <laughs> Bill Eddy, they, they have, his book is right here. It's called Five Types of People Who Will Ruin Your Life. And yeah. he uses the nine out of 10, yeah. right? So nine out of 10 people will yeah. be reasonable and you right. can do win-win situations. One out but, of 10. Especially in public. You know, because people behave themselves better in public. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. And then aggressive being the the far end of anger. Right. Um, you know, if someone's kidnapping your child, someone's right. run over someone else, and you're, you know, they're, they're terms. But I really, I'm glad you use that continuum. And mm. it's kind of like we being a communicator. You would talk mm. to a 
two-year-old different than a 33-year-old? Unless, unless, unless they're acting like a two-year-old. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, we, we, ha we have a lot of adult people that are basically still at that very young age. I mean, that's one of the things, that, that's one of the realizations early on to, for me that made a big Im impact is to recognize that most people are walking around with a set of beliefs and expectations that a little kid came up with. And that explains so much of the behavior that's irrational that you see. You know, and so, yeah, a lot, a lot of people have very young expectations of what life should be. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. Um, in, and really empowering people within the anger. And I right. do want to say very, very distinctly out loud. Right. If you're only in the non-assertive space, right. something is going wrong. If you're only in the aggressive space, something's right. going wrong, right? Be because if you're in the non-assertive space, you're always, your needs are never getting met. And so what you frequently see then is passive aggressive behavior. And if you're at the aggressive side, nobody wants to be around you. So relationships tend to be a shambles. And so oftentimes then control becomes a big issue and having control becomes a big issue. So both of those you're going to suffer uh, if that's where you spend most of your time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and my listeners do. They have suffered. Yep. They've, they've been on one end of the spectrum and then yep. Yep. Uh, had relationships with people on the, the aggressive right. end. That's right. why they're here. Um, yep. So in... I agree with you completely on that most of those, whether it be the non-assertive or the aggressive come from ch childhood beliefs. Like mm -hmm. I have, to, I have to please everyone or mm -hmm. I can't trust anyone. I've got to assert myself because I can't trust anyone. You mentioned before that we often operated from our youngest selves or operated from this version of life that we established as kids. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk more about that. There was an interesting study in New Zealand, and I believe it was two, uh, 1972 it started, and they started following every child that was born in that city for one year. And it's been going on for the last 50 years, and it's the best what they call longitudinal study that's ever been done. And as new things have been discovered, like you know, in the genetics and ways to measure new types of psycho psychological facets, physical and stuff like that, that continues, and they have uh, in the high, in the mid ninety percent of the people are still participating in it. So it's an it's an amazing study, and everybody's proud to be part of it because everything's done totally anonymously. So even people that are prisoners and drug addicts and stuff like that are very honest with the people. But they found that they could, uh, and this has been collaborated with other studies, that they could divide young children into five basic groups, and you have one group. I think. Like These are babies. Age? Yeah, about age three. By by age three, they could they could put them into five different groups. Okay. You had your group that were your evil Knievel kids and what they call the adventuresome or courageous kids, and they grew up to do hang gliding and skydiving and just all kinds of you know they're risk takers. They like to bungee jump, you know, and anything that gets the adrenaline going. They're they're very much into adrenaline, and they're running their little tricycle off the rabbit stuff like that. Then you have about 40%, which is your kind of middle of the group. Uh, they're reasonably, you know, they, they do well in new situations. They're fairly self-conscious. And unless they're in a very negative uh, environment, they grow up to be, you know, just a nice, nice person. Mm -hmm. And then you have a group, and I forget the percentage, but uh, the next group down is your reserve child. And they're a little bit shy in new situations and stuff. But if they're in, and, and as an adult, they'll tend to be reserved. You know, they, in a party, they'll sit back a little bit more. But they turn out to do well, too, if they grow up in a healthy family. Then the two groups that had problems were your extremely shy child, 
And again, if they were in a healthy family where they were encouraged, they would do fine, but they would end up being a research scientist or somebody doing something off by themselves, right? Your natural personality doesn't change, right? right? From baby right. and, and, you know, I'll, well, I'll, I'll let you get to the other group. I'll tell a personal story about my kids, but I would love, yes, I want well, to. Uh, and, and I have one funny story too, but the, 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 the group that had the most problems were the under-controlled kids. And these are the kids in the marshmallow test where you give the, the five-year-old the marshmallow. And if you wait for five minutes, we'll give you a second one. And they're the ones that immediately eat it, right? They have no control. And they found that of all th of the five groups, that the best thing you could do is help kids gain control. And because the, the more they could do that at a young age, then the more they could do that at an older age. And this this under control group were the ones that tended to be in prison and you know all that type of stuff. Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? Don't forget to check out the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself again. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Now, now one funny story is uh, there was a guy that was researching uh, sociopaths. And so he was looking at brain structure and doing brain scans and stuff and just trying to identify some characteristics of them. And so just for fun, he decided to do his own. He found he had the exact same one. Now, he had been adopted, so he started researching his background, and he found he had, I think it was nine murderers, including Lizzie Borden, the famous axe murderer in his history. Uh, but he was fairly normal. You know, he, he had a family, he had kids. Uh, and he said, well, you know, I do like to win. And I do. I, I hate to let my kids win when we're playing games and stuff. And I can be, and I, I can poke the bear sometimes when I'm in a situation. But for the most part, he he had adjusted fairly well. And knowing his background, he now was making more of an effort to uh, uh, kind of quiet down that side of his personality. So it's mm -hmm. you. You can have one of these these wirings, but it's not a guarantee that you're going to you know be one of these negative types of people when you grow up. A lot of it has to do, again, with your family background and also choices you make as you grow up. I, I like to say that life is a series of choices. You choose things that are going to get through the things you want and avoid the things you don't want. And that includes your belief systems and just how you deal with people. And I, I know a lot of people. I, I do want to say, because I know a lot of my my listeners mm -hmm. had a really hard time believing that anyone could do something selfish or out of control for any, you know, they, they, I know my listeners really have yeah. this belief, like people are inherently good. Everybody's really nice. And as long as you're just really nice back, they'll be nice to you. Um, and I, so I really do want to emphasize the, the mm. long 50 studies, the, the brain scans of the sociopaths, the, I mean, I do want to emphasize that because mm. I know a lot of people think, if someone was mean to me, it was my fault. And, and the toxic people make them feel like it's their fault. So they think, well, if I had been good enough or loving enough or kind yeah. enough, you know, this person's brain structure would be different. And that is just not true. That's right. Not true. And I'm glad you're pointing it out. It is yeah. just not true. You know, some of these babies were born, you know, at one years old, they were being, yeah. you know, strong signs. And, and that interplay between environment and, um, uh, your wiring, it's, you know, it, it really is a dance between the two because these seven core emotions as you grow and as you, you develop associations between good and bad things in your environment, that becomes the, the lens that you begin to look at things through. 
And, and this idea that you know we're all just basically good, that's one of the legacies we have, unfortunately, from the 60s, right? Everybody is just good. You know, it's just society messes them up. And I and, and when I was around other therapists and stuff, I used to joke and say, well, you know, if you really want to know the nature of a human being, look at a two-year-old. Yep. It's all mm-hmm. about me. And, uh, you know, I throw a tantrum when I don't get what I want, you know, and, and I'm very egocentric. And then you have to... Uh, acculturate the child out of that. That's why you need to train the child about manners and what's good and bad. Our basic nature is not one of being good. It's a very, very primitive nature that we have to train. And some people, unfortunately, don't get that training. And actually, they get the opposite, which gets into anger. The way you become angry has a lot to do with what was modeled to you, oftentimes from the same same sex parent. So a lot of these people that uh, believe that I should never get angry and it's always my fault, a lot of times they had, uh, if it's a woman, would have the mom, or if it's the guy, it would be the dad, but more frequently with the women, they would have that model to them. And they oftentimes got told things like, you shouldn't be angry, you know, only dogs get mad, you know, those yeah. types of messages, which tell you that this is an, a taboo emotion. Well, no, it's just part of your arsenal of ways that you respond listen to the messages given to you and choose an appropriate behavior for the situation. Which could even be aggression if your child is being abducted, yeah. but it's not, you know, and also at the same time, it's not appropriate for right. someone to be angry all the time about everything, about things that aren't a big deal. And, and, really? and it could even be with an adult if they're being unreasonable. If you're in a store situation or something, sometimes you've got to wrap up a little bit uh, to get your yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I love the study of genetics. Love, love, love. Mm-hmm. I had Nancy Seagal on the podcast, which is a, she studies twins mm-hmm. and how like um, twins right. separated at birth and all mm-hmm. these like similarities that. Oh yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So fascinating. And, yeah. you know, um, there's a book called Blueprint and yeah. the way he describes it is, okay, do you think if a child has musical parents and they're born and they're, they show a tendency towards music, that's genetic. And people are like, yes. And they say, what if a child's very athletic? They had a very athletic parent, you know, the, the Mannings, right? You know, Eli yeah. and Peyton, Man- you know, do you think that has anything to do with genetics? And people are like, yeah, yeah, that has to do with genetics. And then it's like, well, what if a child's really selfish and they had a selfish parent? Do you think that has anything to do with genetics? And people get really nervous, right? And it's just like, well, you know, and yeah. I just think it's a fascinating conversation that I think therapists know that it's yeah. pretty like well of course that runs the general population we're behind the times on this conversation well uh, but then again you know the uh, the family they grow up with is going to have a really big impact you know th- this is where your nature nurture you know and this is one of the interesting things with the the, the needland study is is how important some of that early nurturing is in shaping those basic personality types uh, you can be a compliant kid, and if you have really selfish, angry parents, you'll grow up to be an angry, selfish adult, even though your initial wiring was not to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it is a chicken and the egg type of situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so those babies that were more difficult, that ended up growing up in being in prison or whatever, do you mm-hmm. remember what uh, – what 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 that looks like is you know three and under 
Well, they're, they're, they just have a hard time controlling themselves. So they're the kid that has a hard time. Uh, they don't get what they want. You know, they run over and they grab things and, you know, just not a lot of control. Sharing's really hard for them. Uh, uh, I, I forget some of the other details. I, I know as they get older, uh, again, their problem has to, again, with interacting with other children. Again, they tend to grab things and tend to be uh, uh, just a lot more selfish. Uh, and, and again, frustrated easily. So if it's a situation that uh, uh, that is frustrating, then they will tend to react more, act out more. And unless they have a family that's really helping them gain that control, then that just keeps escalating. Yeah, so- yeah. This has just been fascinating. I know you have a lot more information out for our listeners. I know they're curious as to what are those seven needs? What are those things? And as well as learning more about anger. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Well, uh, I have two books that have just been put on audiobooks: uh, Anxiety, Phobies, and Panic, uh, and then one called uh, Anger, Taming the Beast. In the fall, I'll have another one coming out on why you feel the way you do, where I talk about a lot of things we're talking about today. And uh, yeah, they, I've been really pleased with how well they've done and just the, the acceptance they've had. So exciting. Well, you guys check his work out. Anywhere else you want people to look for you or, or find you? Well, the easiest way to find everything is my website, and it's ywhyyemotions.com. So real easy to remember. Much, much easier than my name. So. <laughs> well, yes, and that's why I use the toxic person proof because it's easier than Sarah yeah. K. Ramsey. Sometimes people think it's Sarah Cramsey, like, yeah. you know, yeah. just different things. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, why emotions, toxic person proof? We've got this. We've got yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have a lot of stuff up on YouTube, a lot of uh, uh, YouTube videos, and you can find links there at whyemotions.com too. Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes. And thank you so much for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Great. Thank you. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.